girlfriend at all. Juan Gonzalez, we're in the epicenter of the pandemic. As we turn now to though an incredible story unfolding in Venezuela, where President Nicolas Maduro announced Monday the government had detained two former U.S. Special Forces soldiers who took part in a failed coup attempt against him after 10 armed men landed in a boat near Caracas on Sunday. Venezuelan authorities killed eight of the men, whom they described as mercenary terrorists. Two men were captured. Speaking from his presidential palace, President Maduro showed U.S. passports to the two men, identified as Aaron Berry and Luke Denman. A former Green Beret named Jordan Boudreau has acknowledged the men were working with him and says they attempted to detain Maduro. Maduro accused the U.S. of being behind the plot. And welcome to the Weekly Review. I just could not resist starting off the show that way. I'll be continuing to play this report from uh, Democracy Now! about what happened recently in Venezuela, so please do stay tuned. against him after 10 armed men landed in a boat near Caracas on Sunday. Venezuelan authorities killed eight of the men whom they described as mercenary terrorists. Two men were captured. Speaking from his presidential palace, President Maduro showed U.S. passports to the two men identified as Aaron Berry and Luke Denman. A former Green Beret named Jordan Boudreau has acknowledged the men were working with him and says they attempted to detain Maduro. Maduro accused the U.S. of being behind the plot. Mike Pompeo was betting on this attack and believed that this attack would end the revolution, end the Constitution, overthrow the government, and kill me. God save us and protect us. The former Green Beret, Jordan Boudreau, runs a Florida-based private security firm called Silver Core USA. He told the Associated Press that the Special Forces veterans who fought with him in Raqqa and Afghanistan were involved in the operation. Boudreaux posted a video on Twitter Sunday in which he called the attack Operation Gideon. 1,700 hours, a daring amphibious raid was launched from the border of Colombia deep into the heart of Caracas. Our men are continuing to fight right now. Our units have been activated in the south, west, and east of Venezuela. Commander Nieto is with me, is co-located, and Commander Sakea is on the ground now fighting. Boudreaux told the Associated Press the last time he communicated with the two Americans who were detained was when they were still offshore, running low on fuel. Boudreaux's plan to oust Maduro reportedly began when he provided security at a concert organized by British billionaire Richard Branson in support of Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido. The Associated Press reports Boudreaux had a connection to Trump's longtime bodyguard, Keith Schiller, and Goudreau reportedly accompanied Schiller to a meeting with Guaido's representatives last May in Miami. President Trump uh, has denied any involvement. Um, uh, 
U.S. involvement. For more, we're going to Miguel Tinkersalas, professor at Pomona College in Claremont, California, author of The Enduring Legacy, Oil, Culture, and Society in Venezuela, as well as Venezuela, What Everyone Needs to Know. Welcome back to Democracy Now!, Professor. Can you explain what you understand took place? Was this an attempted coup against Venezuela, and at who exactly is direction? Um, it, it all appears to be an attempted coup. Again, uh, events are unfolding in Venezuela. Uh, at the same time, it looks like a real bad Rambo movie uh, or a really bad Venezuelan telenovela. Um, the reality is that this involved disgruntled Venezuelan military, uh, former police, deserters, uh, political opponents of the Maduro government, um, and uh, was, was training in Colombia and somehow thought that by landing two boats, one in Macuto, right next to the uh, major airport and port, and the other one in Chuao, in the state of Aragua, that they were somehow managed to get to Caracas and capture Maduro and install a new government. Um, it, it, it is almost fictional. Uh, unfortunately, it's operating in a very charged environment, one in which the U.S. is seeking regime change uh, and one in which the opposition has adopted, in fact, support for military action as it did in 2019 with a support for a coup uh, against Maduro. So it's, it's operating in very troubled waters, uh, and the consequences for Venezuela could be very dire uh, going forward. And, and Miguel Tinkersalas, there was a report out of, ben, of, of Venezuela that there was a, a contract that surfaced, a $200 million contract that supposedly the opposition leader, Juan Guaido, signed with Mr. Goudreau in late October. Could you talk about that? Sure. Goudreau um, actually presented the contract to Patricia Poleo, uh, an opposition broadcaster uh, in Florida. And she uh, posted it and reported it on her uh, website uh, and invited Guaido and JJ Rendon, uh, the person in charge of Maduro's uh, publicity uh, and uh, a campaign, and other individuals to come forward and deny it. None have come forward to deny it. Uh, so this, this plot could long-term implicate uh, not only the U.S. government, also the opposition in Venezuela, Guaido, and others. Uh, it also allows... And we have some technical difficulties right now. The screen is currently uh, buffering. So I'll start off the show now, and hopefully we can get back to this uh, later on. Thanks so much for tuning in. Start off the show a little bit differently than usual. And really appreciate folks tuning in. We are broadcasting live from the Mission District in San Francisco. We're on Remitush Ohlone land, and to learn more about the land, you can go to remitush.com, and that's also more about the folks who have been on this land for centuries, R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com. Also want to encourage folks to donate to the Sogorate Land Trust, and if you type in S-H-U-M-I Land Trust, you'll be, or Land Tax, uh, you'll be brought to that page. Thanks. Okay, we've got some, we got an interview coming up around 1230. We've got some news stories, as per usual, and we've got some music to cleanse the palate, because yikes, what, uh, Initially, I was going to say a terrible time to be living in, and also, <sighs> this is the history of the world and the history of this country, too. It's not like times were ever great for everyone, so this is how we are continuing on. Yeah, I'm going to play some music to uh, 
I guess, wick me up a little bit. <sighs> Not quite ready to rant just yet, although there's a lot to rant about. Uh, the classism in this, I mean, in this country, of course, is, is huge. And, of course, in the world, but then in also in San Francisco in particular, is just so fucking exhausting having to battle against folks who just are so uh, anti-people who are unhoused or anti-poverty and anti-any, like, solution. It's one thing if you're like, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't care, whatever. That's like whatever, but the folks who actually go out of their way to um, deny people who are trying to help others is just, that just makes me so fucking livid. Oh, it's disgusting. Okay, that being said, let's play some music. And this was a great live track that I heard on the uh, Current, which is a Minnesota public radio station. Big fan of that. So here's some music to get us all started, and we'll be back in a bit.
right. Welcome back to the show. That was Prince, of course, with a live version of Controversy from 1982 from Masonic Hall in Detroit. Ah, So I'm going to go through a couple of news items, action items, uh, for our guest calls in today. And the first thing I'm going to get to is a group that folks can donate to and or organize with here in San Francisco. It's the San Francisco Neighbors Solidarity Network. You can follow them on Twitter at solidarity underscore SF, or you can email them at sfneighborssolidaritynetwork at gmail.com, and they are bringing free groceries and supplies, sanitizer, gloves, and masks to elders and vulnerable neighbors in the city every week. And you can get involved. You can donate uh, to them via Venmo at sfneighbors, um, or you can link them up with a neighbor who needs help. So please do spread the word. Okay. That was took a lot less time than I had anticipated. Ah, goodness. We've got some longer news stories to get to, so I'll most likely get to those later on in the program. And I'm going to try to play the, uh, the piece on Venezuela again uh, from Democracy Now!, which of course you can find, not of course, but you can find it at democracynow.org. And I'm going to go fast forward again to the, towards the end of the, uh, or the middle of the interview, and again, you can find this at democracynow.org. Unfortunately, it's operating in a very charged environment, one in which the U.S. is seeking regime change uh, and one in which the opposition has adopted, in fact, support for military action as it did in 2019 with a support for a coup uh, against Maduro. So it's, it's operating in very troubled waters uh, and the consequences for Venezuela could be very dire uh, going forward. And, and Miguel Cicasales, there was a report out of, ben, of, of Venezuela that there was a, a contract that surfaced, a $200 million contract that supposedly the opposition leader, Juan Guaido, signed with Mr. Goudreau in late October. Could you talk about that? Sure. Goudreau um, actually presented the contract to Patricia Poleo, uh, an op opposition broadcaster uh, in Florida. And she uh, posted it and reported it on her uh, website uh, and invited Guaido and JJ Rendon, uh, the person in charge of Maduro's uh, publicity uh, and uh, a campaign and other individuals to come forward and deny it. None have come forward to deny it. Uh, so this, this plot could long-term implicate uh, not only the U.S. government, also the opposition in Venezuela, Guaido, and others. Uh, it also allows them plausible deniability. I mean, what they want from this is to say, if it succeeded, we would pay credit for it. Uh, they would be part of this transition government. Uh, and if it failed, well, we were not a part of it. Uh, we have plausible deniability the same way that Trump has plausible deniability, uh, or at least tries to claim plausible deniability. But I insist, it's the context in which Pompeo, Elliot Abrams, and the Trump White House have created that during the pandemic, seeking regime change, imposing further sanctions, tightening those sanctions, um, and, uh, and authorizing movement of U.S. military to the Caribbean and others, it sets the context in the landscape for which this event happened. And uh, you mentioned Elliot Abrams. Is it conceivable that President Trump's special envoy to Venezuela had no knowledge of what was going on here? Um, it's difficult to imagine that uh, given there were training on the Colombian border, an area that is highly surveilled, uh, an area where the Colombian military is very active, 
um, that somehow they would not have picked up any information. Plus, Boudreaux, when he tweeted, included real Donald Trump in his tweets about the activities happening in Venezuela. Um, so again, um, what the U.S. would like is plausible deniability. We may find out later on that, yes, they knew about it, turned a blind eye to it, uh, see, see if it would actually be successful, um, and eventually then take advantage of it if it did. Um, but again, I, I insist it's the context at which it operates that is the most fundamental because it creates the conditions for uh, attempted violent, unconstitutional regime change in Venezuela, when in fact what Venezuela needs in this time period is negotiations between the different political forces where funds can be released, where they can fight the coronavirus, where they can try to find common ground as opposed to continued conflict we've seen before. So what more do you know about SilverCore, this Florida security form, um, firm, uh, which provided security for President Trump two years ago at one of his political rallies in North Carolina? A uh, photo shows Goudreau wearing an earpiece at a Trump rally in Charlotte, North Carolina, at a coliseum. Um, and echoes of what is this, Miguel Tinkersal, especially for young people who don't know the U.S. involvement in the 80s in Latin America? It has echoes of a Bay of Pigs. It has echoes of, of psychological operations and psych operations and black op operations that were done in Latin America during the entire 1970s, 80s, and 90s. It even harkens to Venezuela. Uh, in uh, 1806, Francisco Miranda attempted an invasion of Venezuela through La Vela de Coro in, in the peninsula of Paraguaná um, and did not have any support from the Afro population in the region. In fact, they rebelled against him. Um, so there, there are shades of many things here, um, it, it, which is all very troubling to Venezuela because, again, Goudreau appeals delusional. He seems uh, to be an Eric Prince, uh, Blackwater wannabe. Uh, he provided security uh, for a concert that was held on February 23rd uh, by Branson on the uh, Cucuta border with Venezuela. Um, so he has, it, he's in, injected himself into opposition politics, into what was happening with Guaido at the border. Um, so again, it's a very, very dangerous figure, although he may have this delusional sense of himself uh, and grandeur. He, is, he can play in that role because of U.S. policy. And Miguel, we just have about less than a minute left, about 30 seconds, but the ability of the Maduro administration to continue to, uh, to persevere in the face of a U.S. embargo, in the face of now of an indictment by the U.S. Uh, government of, uh, of Maduro himself, could you talk about the, uh, the ability of this administration to survive? Well, I think that the key thing is that, again, most U.S. policymakers continue to look at Venezuela as Maduro teetering, uh, because, again, their main informants are Guaido and the opposition. Rather than open up space, rather than engage in conversation, in negotiations, um, Maduro actually still has military support. We saw that once again uh, on, the, uh, on Sunday when the so-called invasion seconds, happened. Miguel. So I think it's fundamental to understand Venezuela needs negotiations and conversation, not invasions. Miguel Tinker-Salas is a professor at Pomona College in Claremont, California, author of The Enduring Legacy, Oil, Culture, and Society in Venezuela. That does it for our show. Democracy Now! is working with as few people on site as possible. The majority of our amazing team is working from home. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. Stay safe. All right. So I really appreciate hearing about that and learning about it since clearly we're not hearing about it from corporate media, and why would we? And... Growing up in this country, there's a lot to learn and a lot to unlearn. And every day is, is there's more, uh, especially learning about U.S. imperialism and the U.S.'s role in other countries. And uh, it's important just to be aware of what's happening. And it's also just remarkable, yet also not surprising. It, I, 
oftentimes feel simultaneously angry yet not shocked um, or shocked but not surprised maybe is the is the word I think about when I hear about the use of force and the use of military and the funds and the energy that goes into militarism uh, instead of healthcare or education or helping people. It's the opposite, and it oftentimes feels like we're living in a really backwards society. And there's a pandemic happening, and what's the U.S. doing? Folks are out trying to invade another country. Not much else one can really say about that. I did want to share some more words from folks in Venezuela, and I found this on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I mostly retweet. So very, I mean, occasionally I'll be like, this is awful or this person sucks. That's kind of the extent of my personal uh, tweeting or, oh, the police are the enemy of progress. That kind of thing is, is what I tend to tweet. But for the most part, it's really retweeting and just mostly on there to find out information about what's happening and share other people's voices and educate myself. So this is, I'm going to find it now. This was shared on Twitter uh, by Redfish, and you can find them at Redfish Stream. And it's a message from the Venezuelan socialist fishermen who helped cap capture the coup-plotting U.S. mercenaries. So I'm going to play it first um, in Spanish, and then I will read the translation in English. And, all right, one second. There we go. Pescador chave, ¿no es? Así es. La lealtad del pueblo de Chuao ayer con los ocho mercenarios. Indestructible, ¿no? Indestructible, ciudadano presidente. Además de eso, ellos creen, o Donald Trump cree que va a poder con nosotros. Está equivocado. Aquí hay un pueblo que lo quiere, que lo ama y que siempre va a estar del lado de la revolución. ¡Viva Chávez! ¡Viva la patria! ¡Un aplauso, un aplauso, un aplauso, un aplauso, un aplauso! All right, so I'm going to play it again, and uh, uh, <laughs> share the uh, the translation here. Okay, so this is the 5th of May, 2020. In our beloved and beautiful Chuao, there's a message of the fisherman to our president, Nicolas Maduro. Fisherman Chavez, right? That's right. The loyalty of the Chuao people is indestructible. Indestructible, Mr. President. They think Donald Trump thinks he can defeat us. He's wrong. Here are people who care about you and love you. And that will always be on the revolution side. Long live Chavez, long live the homeland. So again, you can check this out. Just a short, brief, short and brief uh, <laughs> uh, video. Uh, you can find it on Redfish and you can find them on Twitter at Redfish Stream. All right, I'm going to take a bit of a music break, and then uh, we'll be hopefully having a caller call in with some more information about what's happening here locally. So please do stay tuned. You're listening to Mutiny Radio, and we'll be back after this. Need a set good 
and welcome back to Weekly Review. On the phone, I'm joined by Kevin Goldberg from Reclaim SF. Kevin, thanks for calling in. Thanks for having me. Sure. I was hoping we could just, uh, if you don't mind, just chatting a little bit about Reclaim SF. I was following a little bit of what happened uh, last Friday, but I thought if you don't mind just sharing a little bit uh, to start about the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Reclaim SF is, uh, we're a group of housed and unhoused community members um, who are tired of waiting for the city to address the very immediate need for housing. Um, you know, what is, what has happened, what is currently happening is that the city, specifically Mayor Lennon Breed, is uh, choosing to leave homeless folks on the streets and in congregate shelters, which is a problem, you know, it's, it's unacceptable in, under any circumstances, but in the current pandemic, it's unconscionable. Um, so we've taken it upon ourselves to start opening up homes for for homeless folks. Absolutely, I and many many folks support that that action, and it just feels so disappointing given that the the board of supervisors voted unanimously to get folks into hotels, and so many of us want that to happen. And it's it's a shame that even with so many folks wanting to to take care of folks, it 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 doesn't happen the way it could. Definitely, yeah. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about um, what happened on Friday. I was able to, I was in the studio, um, I think, as it was happening, and then I was able to follow it a little bit uh, afterwards. And um, so there were uh, two women who wanted to take over um, an, a vacant house that had been vacant for four years, I read, uh, in the Castro. Yeah, that's correct. Sorry, what? Oh, I thought I could talk about uh, last Friday. On May Day, there was an action in yeah. the Castro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, so... Uh, so, like you mentioned, um, you know there were two there were two women, um, Cooper Arona and Jess Gonzalez, mm-hmm. um, who moved into a uh, a vacant unit in the Castro, um, which had been vacant for for years. Um, it, it had actually been empty so long that the neighbors had uh, filed a complaint with the Department of Building Inspection for a blighted oh. building. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and uh, so uh, yeah, so they they moved in in the afternoon, and uh, unfortunately, the uh, the city sent a, a couple dozen police officers to evict them almost immediately um but uh but yeah i think that uh you know it's the beginning of i I think that really what it marks is the beginning of a movement to for you know the people of san francisco to sort of take matters into their own hands with regards to to housing homeless folks at this time right and we saw that happen with the moms for housing in oakland and i also saw it was happening in la as well recently Mm -hmm. yeah i have a question yeah there's uh oh sorry go ahead oh no you go ahead please um yeah i mean i think that like you know this this movement has drawn a lot of inspiration from from Moms for Housing and also uh, Reclaim, Reclaim LA. Mm-hmm. I was curious about when the the city called the police on them. Who like who initiated that call? Because it sounded like the neighbors, everyone was pretty much fine with the folks being in that house. So I was curious who initiated the call to the police. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for the most part, um, almost all the neighbors were were actually pretty excited. Or you know, we're totally fine. Um, some neighbors were actually really excited about people moving in. One of the neighbors, um, he actually brought over a basket with some wine and some flowers um, mm. as almost a welcome gift for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the one of the neighbors, um, she was really upset and pretty much immediately called the police. Oh, sorry. So oh. I think that that was yeah. Um, you know, it was, it, we had a there was a, there was a team of people sort of going around and you know sort of distributing flyers and sort of explaining the situation to the neighbors. And I think as soon as they showed up, she just called the police immediately. Um, so that was that was very unfortunate. Yeah, that's really disturbing. Ugh, it's just, yeah, 
I oftentimes run out of words because I feel like so much anger when it's, I don't understand how someone could be against that and how someone could be in favor of uh, property being vacant while there are so many folks who are unhoused. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, you know, there, there are easily one or more vacant units for every homeless person in San Francisco right now. So it's you know, really inexcusable. Yes. Yes, indeed. So what's, I mean, with, since this is like a public forum, I was curious if you are able to share any information that folks can do either to support the organization or anything else coming up that, yeah, I guess that folks can support or ways people can take action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one way to plug in pretty easily is just to visit reclaimsf.org. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of action steps that people can take from, you know, from calling directly on uh, Marilyn and Brood and, uh, and Thomas Armand on their to start, you know, actually using the funds from Prop C passed in 2018 right. to actually start using the, you know, to start leasing hotel rooms as mandated by the supervisors. Um, so there, you know, people can take action by contacting the reps, and there's also a social toolkit so people can start to spread the word. Um, we have a couple of social media campaigns that are going on right now. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, aside from that, um, you know, Reclaim SF is also on pretty much all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, so... Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, those are, those are some ways for, for people to plug in. Great. Can you talk a little bit about the, you mentioned that there was the social, um, not social media, but before that, uh, um, sorry, trying to remember the words that you said exactly on the website, there was a way that folks can plug in. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, there, there are two main things that we're, yeah. you know, that we're sort of drawing or pulling people to on the website. Um, one of them is to contact, uh, Marilyn and Breed and then health officer Tomas Aragon. Um, they have emergency powers to open vacant units to homeless people right now, and they're just not at, they're just not using those. So mm-hmm. we have a we have an email script, and then we also have you know a phone script as well. Great. Um, and then also, as far as social stuff goes, um, there's a complete social toolkit on our ah, on our website as well that people can access. Great. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of folks who do want to take action but are just not sure exactly how or or what to do. So I really appreciate you all organizing and putting that out there because I know for folks like myself it's really easy to get overwhelmed Um, however when there is a script I can follow or directions as to how I can then engage and apply pressure onto people in positions of power it makes it that much more easier to show up definitely definitely cool Uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, share about the org or anything else that's happening yeah I mean I think that like you know uh, just really to reiterate that you know Housing is a human right. Um, you know, it's, it's something that it's something that we need to provide for people at any time. But especially right now, you know, leaving people out on the street is dangerous to everybody. Yes. Um, and it's it's unconscionable to to be just leaving people to die. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think with every passing day that you know that Mayor Leonard Breed continues to withhold funds from Prop C and continues not to move people into hotel rooms like it was mandated by the supervisors is, you know, we're risk- every single day that goes by, we're risking more lives, and that's completely unacceptable. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing that information and for calling in and for all the folks associated with your org, and um, let's hope that there's uh, an increase in ensuring that everyone is, is housed and taken care of as they should be. Absolutely. Appreciate the coverage. Cool. Thanks so much, Kevin. All right. Have a great day. You too. All right, thanks to Kevin Goldberg and Reclaim SF. And again, you can follow them by going to reclaimsf.org. Follow them on Twitter at reclaim underscore SF.
you can donate, spread the word. Again, as was mentioned, you can contact the representatives here. And then also for folks in other cities and towns, um, please, uh, there's the, there's that thing where if it's, there's not, if it's not happening in your city or town, start it up. And there are more than enough vacant homes for for people. And let's hope that we can create a world, because we have to do take it into our own hands, create a world where everyone is taken care of. We're going to go back to the music for a little bit while I set up some next news stories. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back in a bit.
welcome back to the weekly review. That was Them Are Us 2 with St. Vitus 2015. We do have some action items here that folks can participate in and just other ways to share information and for mutual aid. I also want to just uh, share the link to the live document that's been around for a few months now. It is bit.ly forward slash COVID-19 collective care, and that's the number one nine. And there's a, it's a large mutual aid document that expands the whole world and you can search by region and as well as by issue or um, anything specific that you are looking for in terms of if you want to offer assistance or if you need assistance. There's a lot of different pages there, lots of different uh, information for mutual aid. So I want to share that. I also wanted to share another resource that I came across this afternoon. And let me bring this up. It's uh, If you go to transformativespaces.org, there's uh, the Mutual Aid Morning and Healing Project that's there, as well as the Chicago COVID-19 Hardship and Help page, as well as other resources. So again, if you go to transformativespaces.org, there are so many folks who are in mutual aid right now, so I wanted to share that. Also, lots of information here. Uh, there's a letter to, letter to Mayor Breed, uh, hashtag housing is the cure. I have shared this now on Twitter. Follow me at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. If you're listening to the show in the future, May 8th, around a little bit before 12.50 p.m., I have shared this. So that's in particular for healthcare professionals in San Francisco. Is put, it was uh, written and created by the Do No Harm Coalition, who are doing a lot of great work ensuring that folks get housing and get their basic needs met, as well as showing up and uh, protesting uh, police violence. So, uh, yes, you can find that. I have shared it. It's a Google Doc, so you can find it by if you go to my Twitter. I have retweeted it, R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. -E and something else. Yes. So a couple days ago, on May 5th, 2020, the Board of Supervisors passed a legislation 10 to 1 on the first reading to close County Jail Number 4 and to shut down 850 Bryant. And next week will be the final vote. This is an incredible victory and a culmination of years of organizing that began in 2015 after um, the shutdown 850, the No New SF Jail Coalition defeated a new jail proposal. So lots of love and solidarity to all the activists out there working to create a world uh, that where folks are rehabilitated instead of punished and also <sighs> just uh, we, that we take care of each other more. It's disgusting to live in a, in a country where there's so much mass, where there's like just this incarceration, mass incarceration. And also we're seeing that the levels of COVID-19 are particularly high in jails and prisons. And when we know that so many folks are arrested for no fucking reason at all or for how they just who they are, uh, how their bodies appear, and just because we live in a capitalist country where locking people up is somehow deemed okay when it actually causes great harm. I'm not uh, being as eloquent as I would like here. I've you know spoken about this quite a bit, and it just feels so disturbing and uh, frustrating to know that there are still folks, especially here in the city, though San Francisco, which has or slash had a reputation of being this really progressive city, knowing that there are so many folks here, you'll find a lot of them on next door who are so um, just into calling the police whenever there's something that happens, which may not even be a fucking issue. And uh, just hearing about that from the, you know, I was curious as to who had called, why the police ended up showing up at this house when the neighbors were happy that this, this house was, people were living in a house. Yet one person decides to call the state, and then there was a, a violent 
encounter with the police and like the fun. Even I mean, I care more just from from my perspective. It's more like a fucking moral issue for me, and for folks who maybe are more concerned with the economics. Even if you're only concerned with economics, you don't care about the moral part. Why would you want to spend money uh, to pay police to then cause harm to people? Like it doesn't make sense. That fund, the funds that are going to pay the police, who most police don't even live in San Francisco anyway, of the SFPD. That those funds could be used to actually pay for housing for people. So it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense, and it's hard to wrap my brain around that some folks still will will argue for that. And it's people are more. And if it's about safety, well, if folks have housing and have health care. Everybody will be more safe. It's just not that difficult of a thing to to think about. But I guess there's been a lot of brainwashing in this country. There's been a lot of lack of education, a lot of victim blaming. And a lot of militarism, and when all that comes together, it's if unless you question or are taught to question uh, the powers that be or the way that things are, p question the status quo, creating a, a world that's more just, things are going to continue on as they are. So I appreciate the numerous amounts of people out there who are looking to look out for one another and create a better way of being. It is possible. I know it's easy to feel. I feel really depressed and hopeless at times and then I also remember that there's so many folks out there working to create a more just society and if enough of us show up it can happen um, the next story I was going to say is it's our talk about is gonna oh, I was looking for something more upbeat there are a lot of strikes happening there was uh, folks at Heathrow Airport in London were fired I think 600 or 900 I don't know for certain hundreds definitely though hundreds of workers were fired and they ended up like flooding Heathrow with like the not the sprinkler system I should actually have the story in front of me if I'm going to share it however if you look it up I'm sure you will find information and also there was a trucker a number of truckers I believe who were fired and one of them parked the giant big rig on the owner's Ferrari <laughs> so there's a couple of photos going around of those two instances of workers showing up and saying hey we're not fucking disposable and it I appreciate that quite a bit. Moving along, this is some more information from the War Resisters League. You can follow them at, at Resist War on Twitter. And this was from May 7th. Breaking the Senate has just failed to override Trump's veto of the War Powers Resolution. What does this mean and what is the significance of it? Hashtag repeal the AUMF. Hashtag stop endless war. Repeal AUMF. People over Pentagon. Hashtag no war with Iran. And they have a thread that I'm going to read because I need to educate myself. And also it's important to understand what's happening because there's also so much uh, that's it's difficult. It, even before this, it, it's always been difficult. First of all, a lot of the information is hidden or not shared or lied about. And then also when there's also so much else going on, how does one uh, have the energy or the attention span to focus on all that's happening? And at the same time, I feel like if I have the the wherewithal to learn about what's happening and share that information with others and have a, a broader understanding of the patterns of U.S. imperialism and to speak up against it. It's one step in the right direction. Ron War Powers Resolution has now been successfully vetoed by Trump. What does this mean and what should we be doing about it? And again, this is from the War Resisters League. All right, second thread in the Second, second post in the thread. For some background, the Iran War Powers Resolution was passed through the House after the U.S. assassinated Qasem Soleimani and members of the Kateb Hezbollah back in January. My apologies if I mispronounce. Um, 
it is important to understand that the U.S. was able to do this through the AUMFs, or the Authorization for Use of Military Force, which allowed the executive office overreaching power to use military force against quote-unquote terrorists or anyone associated with terrorists. And again, terrorists is in quotations. At the same time, the U.S. assassination of Soleimani was seen as such an escalation of tension between the U.S. and Iran that the House felt a need to reaffirm the War Powers Act through a resolution which says that the president cannot declare war against Iran without congressional approval. This War Powers Resolution was passed in the House and more recently in the Senate last week before Trump vetoed, or before Trump vetoed earlier this week. The Senate has now failed to achieve the two-thirds majority to override the veto. What does this veto mean for the United States at war? Well, the U.S. will continue to use aerial power to engage in acts of war and will be able to justify it legally through the AUMFs. What this means for the U.S. and Iran specifically, that it's important now more than ever to push for an end to sanctions against Iran as a means to de-escalate tension and push for solidarity with Iranians, Iraqis, Syrians, Yemenis, and Afghanis, who have all been affected by U.S.-Iran tensions, which, which we've seen play out and escalate war in Syria specifically. And to really begin to end the endless wars waged by the U.S., we absolutely must push for a total repeal to the AUMFs. Sign up for our emails to get updates on our resisting air, air wars network and our racial justice has no borders coalition work, which seeks to do exactly that. So they provide a link as well from Action Network. So you can follow them and check out the thread. Um, I have shared it, but again, it was on May 7th. So you can follow them at Resist War on Twitter. Okay. Whew, one o'clock, halfway through the show. A little more than halfway through the show. Covered a lot of information, learning a lot, lots of action items to take, and that's what I hope to do on the show. Been doing it now for, since December of 2013, and you can find the previous episodes at mutinyradio.fm up to, I think, 2014. And I have the early, most of the earlier episodes saved, and at the same time, I, I would like to have them out there, uh, mostly just for the, the interviews I had with people and a lot of activists and artists I spoke with. And at the same time, recognizing I'm now in a process of, uh, I'm in recovery at the moment and have been for the last almost four years now. And just really just thinking about my life and decisions I've made and behaviors I've had and the circumstances that impacted those decisions and those behaviors and beginning to have compassion for myself and learning as we as we go along and constantly wanting to evolve as a human being and to not cause harm to others. I think that's always been the intent, but of course intent does not always equal action. And living under capitalism means that there we have not as many options as they, as they say we do. And of course, not everyone has the same options, not everyone has the same choices. And so therefore our behaviors are limited and not everyone has the same options as to how we act and how we survive. And sometimes in order to survive, folks end up causing harm either directly or indirectly to others. And the more choices people have in order to survive, the less harm will be caused. So thinking about that and wanting to put that out there in the universe, that we want a world where everyone can live and be free to be who they are. And initially, that doesn't sound too difficult. However, when you have a police state, when you have people who are now being forced back to work in unsafe conditions, when healthcare is a fucking racket, when there is a lack of equal distribution for wealth and for food, 
when land is stolen, when people are polluting the earth, when, again, there is so much militarism and incarceration. It's really fucking hard to live a kind and generous and honest and authentic life when bodies are policed. That's something I'll go into. And again, it's this thing where I want to share the news and also not further re-traumatize folks. However, everyone has their own boundaries and their own limitations. And I used to start the show with a trigger warning as it is a news program. And there are different stories which may, um, like uh, my intent is to educate myself and others and also recognizing that how does one share information without causing more harm to the folks who already know that it's happening. And for there still continue to be attacks against black folks, there are attacks against trans folks, attacks against women, and attacks against poor folks, etc. Undocumented people, I could go on and on and recognizing that we have different identities and different relations to trauma and how we perceive the world and how the world perceives us and I really do want to do my best to share what's happening and at the same time not cause further harm to marginalized communities. And that's something that I kind of struggle with in terms of my day-to-day, what I share in in social media, what am I, what's the outcome that I am hoping for, what actions can I take? And again, actions mean more than words. So I can talk a lot on this show, but if I don't show up in other ways, then to me, in some ways, this does feel empty. So I'm thinking about that as well and wanting to call attention to the fact that the police are still murdering people. And that's something that hasn't been getting as much attention or coverage. And The Guardian used to have a site that was The Counted. And for the first few years I did the show, I would share some information on that. And they had specific demographics, they had statistics, they had profiles of folks who were killed by cops. And they stopped doing it in 2016. And it's important to still recognize that it is happening in Indianapolis. A man named Sean Reed was killed by police and folks were protesting very recently. And similarly, there was uh, going to just take a moment here because I also it's a lot to to go through and to share information about and especially when this is the this continues to happen I'm going to take a moment right now It's unusual doing radio and so often having to do moments of silence, not the first time and will not be the last. Oh, it's you know, and there are times for there's times to speak up and there's also times for silence, and it seems that folks who tend to monopolize platforms are the ones who are spreading lies and hatred. And how disturbing. That is, and a cop car just rolled by. Fuck them. Saying that from afar, from in here. Um, so, wanted to share that there was the 
a man named Ahmad Abari who was jogging in Georgia early, a couple months ago who was killed by a father and son. Now, finally, that's going to go to court. But again, it's disgusting that it takes video footage of someone being killed and public pressure in order for something to be done. Meanwhile, we've seen time and time again the white folks protesting, wanting to reopen the country, uh, even though they themselves are not really going back to work. They're showing up with fucking guns, and the police are, for the most part, very hands-off, not doing anything. Yet uh, folks simply living their lives, black folks living their lives, are at the receiving ends of violence. And... Again, it's, you know, when folks say, oh, this is Trump's America. No, this is America. This is, this country was founded on genocide and slavery. That's how this country was built. And to assume that it stopped at any point, in some ways perhaps it's been more hidden or we've had Democrats as presidents who have, you know, been a little bit less upfront about it or been a little bit kinder on some policies perhaps, but more vicious abroad. As long as mass incarceration and poverty and the police force continues to grow in this country, violence will continue. So, wanting to share that. And that's just how it is. And it's really, I mean, people need to take up arms, really. That's what it is, honestly. And the folks who are being attacked need to. And that's kind of where it's going to come from because we can't in – in an ideal world, I would love it if all these folks who are causing harm would wake up one day. In the best-case scenario, folks would wake up, be like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a fucking shithead. Um, make amends. I don't know what that, that could look like. It could take – it could be them just fucking ending their own life. Honestly, that's a pretty big thing to say, but it's also like people who – are constantly killing others and passing policies. That's something else too. I'm just going to fucking go all in right now. When people get angry, it's like they're just because someone is maybe not literally killing someone. They're also politicians who are passing policies that cause great harm. There are prosecutors who are locking people up in jail, tearing them away from their families that causes harm. There are so many different ways that people are causing harm right now. And we need a bigger, broader left coalition and I know it's easy to fight amongst ourselves. I myself am party to that as well. However, um, having faith in uh, elected officials who just continue to enforce the status quo in New York, they're going to fucking shut down the subway system and kick out unhoused folks. And sometimes the subway is like the only safe place they can go. So that seem, seems really fucking fascistic to me. Oh, I thought I wasn't going to rant today, but there it is. And that's kind of what I've been feeling. I'm feeling. And again... I would like to believe that people are good and that we believe that we can, you know, be in a world. However, evidence, there's evidence to the contrary. So what will it take for folks to see each other as human and to take care of each other and to not cause harm to each other? What will that look like? I think a lot of us are really pushing for that type of world and it's, Again, it's one thing, if you, if you don't care in a way, it's like whatever. But if you stand in the way of progress, you're really causing so much harm. So that woman who fucking called the cops on, those, on the two women in the Castro who are seeking to shelter themselves, that is, I have so much fucking rage for that person who called the cops as well as for the cops who fucking showed up to do that.
not just in the middle, middle of a pandemic at any time. They are the enemies of progress. They are the enemies of safety. <sighs> All right. I think it's time for some music. I picked out a couple songs that I had been hearing recently that I wanted to share. This is from uh, the fire department. Uh, I also wanted to share that one of the women who is seeking shelter in the Castro is a disabled fire, it's a fire person, firefighter. So it's, and, and again, but it, one shouldn't have to be this like model type of, you know, I think everyone deserves housing regardless of what their profession is or was, regardless of their identity. Everyone deserves housing. That's what I want to say. So here's a song heard on The Current recently. There's also The Purple Current, which is another substation. And it's called Final Form from uh, Sampa the Great. And here it is.
Hold on, we got some more <laughs> technical difficulties. And currently playing the Isley Brothers Ohio Machine Gun. It was recently the 50th anniversary of the Kent State Massacre. Students were Soldier. protesting against the Vietnam War. And four students, armed students, were killed. Soldier. I see them
gonna make do with what we got. Uh, I'm gonna hopefully <laughs> get the song to load up. Um, and in the meantime, I'm gonna share. Oh, it's the internet. The internet's doing something. All right, that's okay. We are going to let this load for a little bit. Might take a moment. And I also want to share. We've got some positive news stories coming up. And perhaps I should have started with those. But I'd like to end on a positive note, I guess. So again, and I guess you know, we try to do what we can. That's I guess what I'm trying to say. We do have another news story we're gonna get to a little bit later, and that's there was a women of sex tech conference on YouTube that was was shut down. So I'll get to some more information about that. Again, wanting to share stories that don't quite make it to corporate media or mainstream media, whatever you want to call it. <sighs> also on May Day, there were a lot of actions that were that happened around the world. Do want to share that <coughs> um, from its going down, they shared that there was a vacant migrant child jail building which was stormed in Chicago. So a lot of folks taking action on May Day, this previous May Day, and lots of folks were on strike as well and continue to be on strike. Share that. So this next story I'm going to read is uh, about mental health. It's not so much a story, but it's more, um, well, it's an article with lots of different links and lots of different ways that folks can find ways to assist themselves and others during uh, this COVID-19 pandemic, as well as uh, occurrences that I think were already occurring regardless, but I think maybe they're more upfront right now. And again, we're having some technical difficulties here. So I'm going to uh, <laughs> wait for this to load, and then I will get to it. But if you are listening right now, you can go find it at healthline.com forward slash health um, forward slash mental dash health. And it's COVID-19 Choose Your Own Adventure Mental Health Guide. And this was super helpful. I haven't been through all of it yet, but I do hope to share a lot of it today. Um, depending on, I think folks... A lot of folks are responding differently to this crisis, and a lot of it is also just a lot of behaviors that we already were kind of dealing with. More things have come to the surface, so I really appreciate that the author of this article, uh, Sam Dillon Finch, you know, found a lot of resources for folks because it's really helpful to find ways to to heal oneself and to cope. And again, we're kind of moving through this, so it's not like there's one quick solution to it. There's a lot of just wanting to find ways to to cope with this and to move through it in the best way possible. I'm going to open up the iTunes here and play some music while we get the internet back up and running again, hopefully very soon. And uh, yeah, I hope the stream is up. Nice. So uh, might take a while. Please do stay tuned here. And going to move down the list here. Got a mm, computer that uh, doesn't have as much music on as the last one. But uh, here's, a, here's an upbeat song.
often cause empires to fall. While men of poor Often can't do anything at all. The rich son waits for his father to die. The poor just drink and cry. Me, I just don't care.
my mistake. Sorry about that, and apologize for the uh, technical difficulties today. Um, that was the Isley Brothers with Ohio Machine Gun. And um, unfortunately, we're a little bit out of time. And again, sometimes the show starts off totally smoothly, impeccable, um, comparatively. It's a DIY operation here. And then we kind of end with uh, a few mistakes as happens uh, with technology and with human beings as we all make mistakes. So going to see if I can bring up at least the article I wanted to share um, so I can direct folks there and it's back up and running again. And huh, let me see. I have it in my email. One moment, please. And again, this is a resource of things that folks can do to help cope with feelings that might come about from shel being shel having shelter in place and or other situations and having some issues once again. So I mentioned it earlier on the show. Let me see if on the phone I can bring that up. Again, this was a website with an article about resources for folks who are going through it, as we all are. I know I certainly am. Trouble sleeping, etc. So I'm going to bring up the website here so folks can, if you want to look it up for yourselves and your communities. And I also did not get to that other article. The article about the automation error which uh, shut down the Women of Sex Tech Conference I did not get to. It's on, uh, so there's a sex tech conference that was on YouTube. It's uh, daily.com forward slash IRL um, YouTube dash women dash of dash sex dash tech dash con dash 2020 for that article. I believe I've also shared it on Twitter. Again, you can follow me at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. -E and so the mental health article is, I'm bringing it up as I speak, uh, your COVID-19 choose your own adventure mental health. It's written by Sam Dylan Finch and it came out on April 24th, 2020. The wondrous world of coping skills made a little simpler. And so there's a whole list here of different um, ways folks can uh, check in. And the, so it's on Healthline is the website. And the topic, the, yeah, I'm running out of my juice here. Okay, hey friend, what's bothering you right now? It's time to check in. So there's different links that you can click on um, depending on what you're going through. And the first topic is emotional, like I'm so sad I can't get out of bed. And that brings you to a page of things that you can do to work with that. Another is my anxiety is through the roof. I don't know if I want to be alive anymore is one. I'm sort of numb to all of this. I'm so bored, it's driving me up a wall. I'm angry, why am I so angry? Uh, I'm on edge and I don't know why. These are all individual options. And of course we can feel many of them sometimes at the same time. And of course emotions shift from day to day from moment to moment. And also I can't seem to focus on anything. Yes, that's one. There's another um, topic that's, or section that's for physical, like I'm having symptoms of COVID-19, but maybe it's just my head in my head. Definitely get that. Uh, my brain is sort of fuzzy right now. I'm scared of that I'm gaining weight is something for some folks. I feel restless and agitated, like I'm trapped. I can't sleep and it's ruining my life. Maybe I just had a panic attack or I'm dying. I can't tell. I'm exhausted and I don't understand why. I'm craving drugs or alcohol right now. The next topic is, or section is situational. The news cycle is making everything worse. I'm struggling to eat consistently. Um, working from home is the worst. How can I make it better? I think I need some extra emotional support. The next is relational. I feel like I need a hug or to be swaddled like a baby. Help. I kind of regret being a parent right now is another 
section or another page. Um, if I don't have some kind of sexual encounter, I'll lose it. Another one is I hate being alone. I don't have anybody I can turn to for support right now. Another one is I have chronic illness. No one understands what I'm going through. And so those, those are like the topics. And of course, as I mentioned, we I definitely can relate to many of those, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at different times, different days. It changes from time to time. So really appreciate this article. And I apologize for not being able to share it all as we are running out of time on the show. Not really running out of time, but getting on the show is only on for two hours, and we're approaching the end of the two-hour mark. So if, again, if you go to Healthline, um, it's in the perspective section, your COVID-19 Choose Your Own Adventure Mental Health Guide, written by Sam Dylan Finch on April 24th, 2020. I hope this description will help folks find it online, and it will provide some sense of relief and or some tools that folks can use to make this situation a little bit more livable. Sending you all lots of love and solidarity, and I hope for a better world where folks can respect each other, treat each other well, and um, I think that's what a lot of us hope for, and we have to make it happen. So um, uh, I guess I'm going to play the breaker now. <laughs> that's so anticlimactic. I usually play the music. Um, yeah, let's see what we can do here. And here's a song by Phil Campus called Violet. And we'll be back next week. Oh, I should probably plug in the uh, the computer. That might help, maybe. That might help with uh, getting the music <laughs> on. I used to joke, I've only been doing this show for like a year, two years, three years, four years. And when I ever had I had a technical difficulty, that was something that was fully I was fully capable of doing. And yet some things don't change, which is in a way sometimes refreshing when it's stuff like this. So we can fix it. So here's some music. Hope you all have a great week or at least a week that's full of as much peace as possible. Take care.